Hey there, I am Anna Michelle Gomo and you are welcome to the podcast. This is a safe space where I get to talk about God and how we can build our relationship with Him. On each episode, we'll be diving below the surface of the Bible to encounter God and grow. Currently, we are on a 365-day Bible challenge and it has been fantastic so far. And so I invite you to join us today because God has a word for you, but it is up to you to listen. So please stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today is day 102 of our Bible in a Year Challenge. I am so glad that you decided to tune in once again today. We will be continuing on our journey, taking readings from the Gospel of John and also reading along with Proverbs. Um, Like I said in the previous episodes, that you might have a tendency to feel overwhelmed because, I mean, we're talking about the life of Jesus. There's just such... This is like a gold mine. There is a lot to take in. Like literally each verse, each word that comes out from the mouth of Jesus is is gold. Like you feel like there are a million things that you could get from each word. There are a million significances that each phrase contains. And so sometimes we might feel overwhelmed, especially now that we're taking three chapters per day. So it feels like we're rushing on things. So I just want to remind you that God will give you what you need for each day. You do not need to get all the knowledge in the Bible at once. The Holy Spirit will guide you on what he wants you to grasp, even if it's just one thing that you get from each chapter, or maybe even if it's just one thing that you get from the entire Gospel of John. As long as the Holy Spirit guides you to that and leads you to that and helps you understand that and keep that in your heart and retain it, I think you've won. I think that is that is the goal. The goal is not to read. The goal is not to gain um, normal human wisdom or normal human knowledge of uh, the passages. The goal is to walk with Jesus. The goal is to know about God, not just to gain knowledge about him, not just to gain um, surface knowledge about God, but to know him. And to strengthen our faith in him. So if at the end of the day, one verse does that for you, I think you've won. So do not feel overwhelmed that we're taking too much in at one time. Anyways, all that being said, we have a lot to take in today (laughs) on today's episodes. And I think today is quite fast paced in the sense that we kind of get that feel that we are approaching the last moments of Jesus's life. You know, like the last chapter of today, John chapter 12. We see Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. So we're kind of approaching the end. But I mean, it has been such a great journey. It's still such a great journey. Today, there is a lot to take in. The first thing being that I remember saying that one of the things that make the Gospel of John quite exceptional and special from other Gospels is that John states in John's Gospel, there are different instances where Jesus uses the phrase, I am. You know, Jesus says, I am, I am who I am. But there are also other places that Jesus um, describes himself in quite unique ways. We've heard where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the living spring. Today, we see two instances of that. The first being where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. 
Who is the good shepherd? The good shepherd is a shepherd that not only leads or um, feeds his sheep and his flock, but lays down his life for them. Jesus also says that I am the gate for the sheep. So Jesus not only claims the high position or the, um, the, the position with power and authority, but Jesus also claims the lowest position. Not only does he lead us, his sheep, not only does he um, care for us, but he protects us to the point of exchanging his life for ours. And I think that is, that is so unique. One other thing that kind of gets my attention is that in Psalms 23, which is a very popular psalm, where David says that he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows, emphasis on he anoints my head with oil. I think the first time people read that, the first thing that comes to their mind is, oh, um, it's like anointing, you know, like when Moses was anointing um, Aaron and his sons as priest and high priest in the tabernacle, kind of like consecrating them. I think, yeah, that is one way to um, define it, to understand it. But I, I read this thing one place and it, it made more sense. I will tell you, probably this, this, this translation is, is the best. So it says that in those times when... Um, shepherd had their flocks one of the major it was like a disease like a sickness that could happen to the sheep is that you have this insects you have this i think it was lice i don't know the name of the insect but you have this insects that could lay eggs in the passageway in the air passageway of the sheep like in the nose where to the point that they couldn't breathe sometimes when these eggs hatch in the heads of the lamb while they are still alive they cause such a ruckus in the sheep that the sheep is quite unstable. You know, imagine like millions of bugs flooding your head with your eggs still hatching. Like it, it, it's such, yeah, it would have been very irritating. And so the sheep would just be like so confused, just so restless to the point of them bashing their head against rocks just so that they could get rid of the insects that have been fisting on them from the inside out. And on doing this, the, the sheep literally has no control at this point. They're just bashing their head against the rocks just to make it stop. And sometimes, or in most cases, the sheep ends up dead after trying, after futile attempts to um, try to make that stop. And so one of the numerous ways that shepherds used to stop this was to pour oil on the head of the sheep because when you have oil all over their heads, then the insects couldn't get their way into the air passages of the sheep. And that made so much sense because like when David says in the Psalm 23 that he anoints my head with oil, it means that Jesus, our good shepherd, protects us and helps us when we feel like bashing our head against the wall when the confusions of life is so numerous when everything is just so confusing when we feel like we're against the wall when we feel like there is nowhere else to turn to jesus helps us then jesus protects us and keeps us when we feel like we're going insane that is a good shepherd that is the shepherd that we have in jesus one thing and he also says that i am willing to die for them in today's readings, um, Jesus says this. He, he says that um, 
I have the right to lay down my life. I lay down my life willingly, not because I have no other option, but because I allow my life to be laid down. And so Jesus kind of explains to us that, you know, I'm dying for my sheep, not because there is no other way, just because there is no other thing to do. There is because, not because I, I have I don't have an option. I do because I am God, but I choose to die for my sheep because I love them. That is such a love that I will never be able to understand. That is such a grace I will never be able to grasp. I think all we can do is to live in that and accept that and enjoy that and embrace that. One of the things that caught my attention is that Jesus says the sheep Follow the good shepherd, follow him because they know his voice. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I once um, saw this video talking about this particular verse and the video was like, you know what? So many people read this. I'm like, okay, it's probably just like a parable. Like sheep would um, probably listen to anybody's voice. It's, it's quite unlikely to think that a sheep can't differentiate between a human voice, but it, it is not unlikely. Like there was this video and then you have the stranger coming in the middle, like in the middle of a flock of sheep and like making noises, like whistling. And then the sheep pays no attention because they don't know who this guy is. This guy <laughs> might be anybody to them. And the, the sheep just continues feeding on their grass and just doing what they were doing. And then you have the shepherd come in. They still don't acknowledge the shepherd, but then the shepherd whistles in, in such a unique way. Like it's the same whistle as a stranger, but the voice is different, obviously. And then within five seconds, you have all of the sheep. They're they not walking towards this guy. They are running. They're literally following the shepherd. All of them, like, what, a hundred? And I'm like, oh, no, that makes sense. That is what Jesus was trying to say. So Jesus says that those who belong to him know his voice and he knows them. And so when Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. And whoever opens up to me, I will come and dine with him, and he will dine with me, and we will dine with the Father together. And so I, that begs the question, like, how many of us even recognize Jesus' voice? How many of us recognize his knock on the door of our hearts? We have to be ready. We have to be willing to accept his gift. We have to be willing to hear his voice. We have to be willing to open up the door to him when he knocks. Because we don't have all time. Jesus says that um, work now while you have the light with you because the time will come when you will have darkness and no one will be able to work. And so this is the opportunity. If you've been feeling it in your heart, if you've been feeling the knock of Jesus on your heart, if you've been Finding it also difficult to hear or listen or obey his voice, I think that's the best time to ask for his help. One thing that also um, stood out to me is that Jesus says that not only do I come to save only the Jewish people, I came to save all people, all of the people that God has, God the Father has given me, even people from other nations that have not yet known me. I will call and draw all of them to myself and there would be one flock with one shepherd. And this immediately brought my mind to the time in the Old Covenant where um, 
God makes this covenant between him and the Israelites. And he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. And in that old covenant, Moses had this um, animal sacrifice. So they kill this animal and then they, they take out the blood, put it in a bowl. And what Moses does is that he takes half. I don't know if you guys remember, it has been quite, it has been way back. So we've covered that up, definitely. And so what Moses does is that he takes half of the blood, he pours it on the altar, and then he takes the other half and pours it on the people, sealing that covenant with blood. But now we have the new covenant, which is a fulfillment of the old. And so this is a covenant between God, between the shepherd, and the church, the flock, sealed with blood, but not the blood of an animal. Here we have the blood of the Son of God sealing this covenant, making it last for eternity. And so in the case where Moses pours the blood on the altar and the people, Jesus also being the fulfillment of the high priest, pours his blood. Now, Jesus is not only the fulfillment, Jesus is not only God. Jesus is also the fulfillment of the high priest. Here, stay with me. It might get confusing at some point. Jesus is also the fulfillment of the high priest. Jesus is also the fulfillment of the sacrifice. And so in this new covenant, Jesus, in the covenant with him and us, pours out his blood on the altar and also on us. And so what is the altar? The altar is the cross. The altar is where the animal would be sacrificed in atonement for the people's sins and in the new covenant of this altar is the cross because that was where jesus was sacrificed and offered to god in atonement for our sins and then the blood is not only sprinkled on the altar it is also sprinkled on the people in turn his blood is sprinkled and poured out upon us and that was why i said that when the israelites were accusing jesus and they said may his blood be upon us and on our children in a way at that time it probably seemed like a curse because they were um condemning an innocent man to death but what was happening is that god used that curse to fulfill and rewrite this new story and so what happens is that his blood being upon us and on our children seals the new covenant once and for all. And that is just epic. That is just amazing. And then moving on to John chapter 11, we see the great story of the resurrection. We see this great story of the death of Lazarus. So Lazarus is the brother of Martha and Mary, which were very close friends of Jesus. And so they call him um, and tell him that, oh, Lazarus, your friend is sick. And then Jesus, Jesus doesn't go immediately. He stays two days. In fact, the Bible put it that because he loved Lazarus, he stayed back two days before going out to meet them. And so this sounds confusing. Like, I mean, why... If he loved Lazarus so much, I mean, shouldn't he be flying towards his house to save this guy? Well, the thing is that if we are very careful to read is that before this happens, Jesus has some kind of arguments with this unbelieving people. So we have that whole dialogue 
or kind of a monologue, you know, of Jesus trying to convince his people that he is the Messiah, he is God. But then their response is that they want to stone him to death for blaspheming. And so Jesus slips out of their hands and escapes them being, escapes being getting stoned to death, essentially. So his life was at stake. And so he fled from there to where he is now. And so it was where he was now that he was being told that Lazarus was there where he just fled from. So he was literally going to go back to a place where he was just about to be killed. And so when the Bible says that because he loved Lazarus, he stayed back two days, meaning that Jesus was still willing to go even after just two days of almost getting killed. Jesus was still willing to go back to the same territory where his killers were. And essentially, this... This was quite right because immediately after the um, miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead, we were told that many people believed in Jesus because of that miracle, but also many people um, went ahead to report it to the Pharisees. And from then on, they started plotting to kill Jesus. Essentially, that was the beginning of the um, persecution and of the condemnation and of the death of Jesus. And so what does this teach us? First of all, it teaches us that this this is the model that we are to learn from that Jesus so loved Lazarus Jesus so loved these people that he was willing to put himself in a dangerous situation just to save Lazarus from death and in our case that sh- that should be the same because if we're to follow our model Jesus we're supposed to do everything he does and look exactly like him and so in our case we should be also willing to Put others first. It is not easy. Um, it is actually the opposite of easy. It's probably the hardest thing you're ever going to do. <laughs> I say this myself all the time that being a Christian, um, making that firm decision to follow Christ is the hardest decision you are ever going to make in your entire life because it is always going to test you. It is always going to push your boundaries. But that is what is expected of us. Um, Our model today says that if we are to love the way he loves, if we're to love the way he wants us to love, we have to put ourselves last. It doesn't mean that you have to condescend yourself or you have to think little of yourself. It means you have to think of yourself little. You have to think of others before you think of yourself. You have to be willing to put yourself in tough situations, in uncomfortable situations for the sake of, of others that that is the love that god has for us that is the love that he demands that we have for him and we have for others jesus also says this to martha he tells her i am the resurrection and the life those who believe in me will not die they will live but those who also believe in me even though they die will live Jesus has the ability to raise every dead thing in your life in an instant. We are not just following uh, the Jesus that was condemned to death or that seemed as a weakling. We are following Jesus, who is God himself. We are following Jesus, the light of the world. And today, Jesus reminds us that he is the resurrection and the life. He is able not 
only on the last day to raise you from the dead to eternal life, but he is able even today to raise whatever is dead in your life. I don't know what that might look like for you today. Probably your career might be dying or your finances might be dying. Maybe your marriage or your relationship seems like it's dying. Or maybe the morals that you've instilled in your children seems like it's dying. Or maybe your dreams and your hopes and your plans seems like it's dying. Jesus reminds you today that he is the resurrection. He can raise to life whatever is dead in your life. And I need you to believe that. And I need you to hold on to that. Hold on to that truth. And have faith. And ask Jesus to raise whatever is dead in your life to life because he's able. He has shown us that he's more than able and we should trust and believe in him on that. And then one thing that also um, strikes my attention in this story is that we're told that Jesus wept is the shortest verse in the Bible, just two words, Jesus wept. And like, why would Jesus weep? Because I mean, I get it. I get that he loves Lazarus, but he also knows that, I mean, he said it even the instant that the message reached him that Lazarus was sick, he said that this sickness is not unto death. So he knows that at the end of the day, Lazarus is not going to remain dead, that he's going to raise him to life. So why did Jesus still weep like there was no hope? Jesus wept because Jesus shares in our pain. Jesus wept because when he saw Mary and Martha, the people he loved, he saw the people around them weeping. The Bible says that he was deeply moved in the spirit. Jesus wept because he shares in our pain, he shares in our heartbreaks, he shares in our hurt. There was one time that um, I got back from an interview one day and I was so downcast. That was, I think that is to date the worst day of my life. It was, it was like hell. I felt like hell. And then I rem- remember um, my dad went to pick me up. So I remember going straight to my room the moment I reached home and I laid on my bed and I was crying. I, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop myself. Trust me, I tried. I was crying for hours. I literally cried the entire afternoon. And by the time it was evening, my eyes were so swollen that I couldn't open them. I literally could not open my eyes. I couldn't see a thing. They were just shot all throughout the day. And even up until the next morning, it was it was so hard. It was so painful for me to open my eyes because they, they were like throbbing. And um, after my encounter with God, um, one thing that he said to me was that, you know, while you were in your room, while you were flinging things up and down in your room out of anger and out of hurt, while you were asking where I was and why I didn't help out, while you were thinking that all of your prayers and your fasting and your hoping were in vain, while you were weeping on the floor and drowning yourself in tears, I was in that room with you. And I was hurting with you. Jesus is hurting with you. Not because he cannot take the hurt away from you in an instant. Not because he is God and he's all powerful and he's not supposed to be that vulnerable. 
the thing is that he made that decision to be vulnerable for you you know when jesus says on the cross we're going to see that in the following readings um after today when jesus says on the cross my god my god why have you forsaken me you know when he says those words it wasn't jesus himself saying that to god the father you know this same jesus knew that god was with him jesus always said all throughout the gospel of john that whatever he did he did because god the father wanted him to do those things he even said while he was in the um garden of gethsemane that even when everyone had left him even when he was lonely that he would not actually be lonely because the father would always be with him jesus always had when, when it was just jesus and god the father he always knew that God the Father would never abandon him or leave him. So when he said those words on the cross, that was us saying those words on the cross. And I will explain. When Jesus takes up or took up the cross and died for us, he took our place. And that was what um, St. Paul meant. Like Jesus became sin. Jesus who knew no sin became sin for us. And so on the cross, Jesus crying out, he experienced what it felt like to be separated from the Father because of sin. And so when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Repeating the words in Psalms, that is Jesus experiencing our deepest hurt and our deepest pain when we separate ourselves from God because of sin. And this is the love that Jesus has for us, that he doesn't just get to be the powerful God that just magically make things work out. He doesn't get to be the powerful protector, the powerful shepherd, the one holding the high places. He also occupies the lowest position, going as low as experiencing our hurt and our pain. And so there are some things you're going through that you feel like God doesn't understand, you know, God will never understand. God decided to be like you so that he could share in that pain so that you don't have to go through that alone someone said something one time it's a quote that the moment or the one time that god the all-powerful god the all-knowing all-present god the one time in history that god decided to make himself vulnerable Humans killed him. We all have a decision to make. Um, but there's one thing that stands clear in all of these regions is that we don't get to be at the fence. We don't get to be lukewarm about this. It's, it's a black and white um, scenario. It's either you believe that Jesus is God and you accept his sacrifice and you enter into his love and you allow him help you, and you become a part of him, it's either that, or you believe he's a liar, and you believe all of this, all of these miracles that we are reading through are all fake, and you believe that he is powerful, or he is powerless, rather. So it's either you believe in Jesus, you accept him, or you reject him. It's either you stay by him, by the side of his cross and share and allow him share in your pain 
or you nail him to the cross and mock him. It's one or the other. I think I also heard this somewhere. <laughs> I know I always hear things everywhere. I literally randomly see so many informations everywhere I go. I can't remember the source, but I know exactly what I read. And I also read this somewhere that um, with the story of Jesus, with Jesus' claim to be God, there are three ways it could go in accepting that claim when you're rejecting it. The first thing that you believe that Jesus, Jesus' claim to be God is true. You believe the miracles, you believe him, and so you see him as Lord. The second way it could go is that you believe that uh, maybe he did not intend or he did not mean what he was saying. Maybe he was a lunatic. Maybe he was just crazy upstairs and all that he was saying was just gibberish. Maybe he was not capable of understanding the magnitude of what he was saying. So we, you, you, you don't believe him, but you don't think it's entirely his fault. He was just probably a madman or a possessed man, like the people said. So maybe you believe his Lord or you believe his lunatic. The last way it could go is that maybe you believe he's a liar. Maybe he actually knew the gravity of what he was saying, but maybe he was lying. Maybe all of the things he did was just to deceive the people, the Jewish people, away from God. It's either you see Jesus as a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. From all we've seen, I think the, the farthest thing we can ever call Jesus is a liar. I mean... There is no lies in what he said. He is the complete fulfillment of the prophecy. Everything he said, everything he did was backed up by scripture and by prophecies thousands of years ago. And obviously, uh, there is nothing that can point to the fact that Jesus was a lunatic. I mean, what lunatic would be able to perform all of the miracles that he did, would be able to create the kind of impact that he did. And so the last option that is left is that Jesus is Lord, and this is God himself bringing himself down and making himself vulnerable to feel your pain, coming to you and asking for a relationship with you. And that is just so amazing. I, I hope you do not pass up on that invitation. I, I hope you do not decline or reject it. One other thing that stuck out to me from this um, story is that before Jesus even calls out Lazarus from the grave, he says this. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Even before the miracle is displayed, Jesus thanks the Father already for what he will do in future. And I think that that is essential for us as well, that when we come to God asking for something or seeking his help in a situation is that we come to him in faith. We don't come to him in, in a way that, oh, prayer is just, I mean, at the end of the day, I have nothing to lose. There's nothing else I can do. I'm just going to pray. We come to him because we believe that he has already heard and even answered us. Even before we began to pray, Jesus says, I, or I think, yeah, God says that I know what you need even before you open your mouth to say it. And so God is aware of whatever you're going through. If you think he's not aware, if you think, if you think all it takes is that you have to pray, first of all, you have to say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit before God hears you, then you probably have no idea what it means to be omniscient. It means that he knows everything. <laughs> so he probably already knows what you're going through. But when we come to him in prayer, we know that we accept that fact that he knows what we're going through. And in faith, we believe that he is going to make everything work out for our good. And so the first thing that 
should come out of your mouth in prayer is thanksgiving. You know, Lord, I thank you for what you have done. I thank you for what you are doing. And I thank you for what you will do. Even though at the end of the day, the thing or the situation might not plan out the way you want it to, but you believe that everything worked out exactly as God has approved it. And at the end of the day, God has your best interest at heart. So you are sure that everything is going to work out for good for you because he loves you. So that is one thing I got out from that. Lastly, is that Jesus calls out three words, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus, wrapped up in cloth, comes out from the grave. And Jesus says, unbind him. Jesus has the ability to bring light into darkness. This is Jesus, the light of the world, telling you, telling us, that he can raise to life whatever is dead in your life, that he is able to unbind you from whatever is holding you back, from whatever has been pulling you down, and that he wills for you to have life and have it in abundance. And from whatever pit that you feel you might have sunken into or you might have fallen into, probably the pit of shame, or of disgrace, or of failure, or of low self-esteem, or of suicidal thoughts, or of depression, Jesus calls you out of that grave, of that pit today, and he tells you, come out. And in his name, I pray that you be free from whatever is caging or holding you down. So lastly, in John chapter 12, we see the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And I'm just going to be stating some few phrases that stuck out to me and why. And then we'll wrap up this episode. I think it's already um, long enough. So first of all, Jesus says that those who love their own life will lose it. But those who lose their life for his sake and the sake of the kingdom will save it. This is quite... um. This is like a paradox. Like, how can you lose your life and save it? Well, what Jesus is saying is that um, those who desire the approval of men, those who enjoy their life, those who are willing to save their lives here on earth right now, those who choose comfort, those who choose praise and approval here on earth right now, will lose their praise and approval in the life after. So we are told that there are some of the Jewish authorities, not all of them, not all the Pharisees were against Jesus. There were some that actually believed in Jesus, but they did not openly come out. Why? Because they valued humans' approval above God's. Like I said before, that um, following Jesus is not, is, not, is not a decision that you can get to be on the fence about it's a yes or no. So it's either you're following him in full faith, you're following him in full courage and in full confidence, or you're not. And here we see the consequences of either of those decisions, that if you're willing just for what people will say or just for the persecutions that will follow along or just for how embarrassing it might seem, if you're willing to not talk about Jesus or to not want to associate yourself with him, if you're willing to save your life here on earth, you will end up losing it. But if you're willing to lose your life, if you're willing to lose yourself, if you're willing to die 
to sin and die to yourself, if you're willing to lose your control and hand that over to God, you will save it. And I think those are words to live by. Uh, at times that we're kind of confused on what to do or who to listen to or what to accept, I think those are words that can remind us of the call that we have. Second of, uh, of all is that where Jesus says that when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to me. And the Bible says that this was to show the kind of death that he was to die by. And when Jesus Christ was lifted up from the earth on the cross, he did draw everyone to him. Because that is the sign of the open pathway to God himself. That is the sign of availability. That is a sign of God's love. That is a sign of his invitation to come to him. And this, amazingly, isn't just open to the Jews or to the Israelites. It's open to everyone. Because the Bible says that unto those who believed in him, he gave the right to be children of God. And so this is an open invitation. This is the good news, that God gave his son to redeem us from our sins. And whoever accepts that gets to be a child of God and gets to have the right and the privileges that comes with that. And then lastly, Jesus says that the words I have spoken will be their judge. That he is not going to be the judge. He is not going to judge these people. He didn't come to judge the world. He came to save it. But the words that he speaks, the words that he has spoken and that these people rejected will be their judge on the last day. And you know what this reminded me of? It reminded me of the time in Moses when God told Moses to have the song, to make up the song and teach the Israelites. That is the songs of Moses. I don't know if you guys remember that, but it's essentially, if you remember it, or if you don't remember it, if you've forgotten, please go back and just review that episode again. And so the song of Moses, what was it all about? It was about the story of the Israelites, how God saved them. But it was also about the story of the disobedience and how the Israelites decided to follow their own way, decided to disobey God and do what they want. And so God told Moses that when you make up the song, teach the Israelites the song because it is going to serve as a witness against them when my anger comes out upon them. So when they disobey, when they break this covenant, this song is going to be a witness against them that I had warned them of this. And they know of the consequences of their actions, but they still decided to follow it through. Another thing that happened also is even in the time of Joshua. So when Joshua said these words that, um, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord, you choose for yourself this day who you will follow. Joshua had this rock, this huge stone, as a witness to the people. When the people said they were going to choose God regardless, Joshua said that this rock, this stone, is going to serve as a witness. And that if you break your covenant, if you break your words, if you break your promise, this stone is going to witness against you. So we see those two instances of Moses and Joshua right at the end of their lives, saying that this is going to be a witness. Moses, it was a song. Joshua, it was a stone. With Jesus, also towards the end of his life, he said, my words will be a witness, will be a judge against you. 
And I think Jesus' own carries more weight, of course, because this is not just a song like Moses. This is not just a rock or a stone like Joshua. This is the word of God. This is the word that God said will never pass away. Even if heaven and earth pass away, his word will never pass away. And so this witness, this judge, God's word is always going to remain. So imagine how, imagine how, how hopeless the situation is going to be when you have a witness or a judge that is eternal. Like that is so much more grave. And I just hope, I just hope that I or you <laughs> or any one of us would not get to be on the receiving end of that. And until so we have we have this um chance that it doesn't have to end that way. Our story doesn't have to end in Jesus' words witnessing or judging against us. That we get to accept his words as true and we get to accept him as king and as Lord over our lives, that our story can end differently, can end better. So um that is all that I have for you guys today. I know it's all over the place, but that is the gospel of john there are just so many things like i could reread these chapters again and still have a different thing to say and that is how it's going to be every single time i think that is just amazing that is the good part of reading the bible you don't get to know everything at once so over the course of the um journey so far in the gospel of john we've seen that jesus is the fulfillment of the prophets he is the fulfillment of Moses, of Joshua, of all of the prophets that has ever lived, of all of the judges, leaders, and kings. He is the Max. He is the king of kings. He is the good shepherd. He is the head of the church. Jesus as well is also the fulfillment of the high priest. He is the fulfillment of the sacrifice. He is also the fulfillment of the temple. And as well, he is the fulfillment of the old covenant in the new. And I think when we even look back, I don't think it was stated in this um, gospel, but there is this gospel, probably Mark or Matthew, where it talks about um, the three gifts that Jesus was given at his birth. So we have the first one being gold and the second one being frankincense and the third one being myrrh. You know, these gifts also kind of gave a clue to the three ways that Jesus is going to be the fulfillment you know, first of all, you have the gold, meaning that Jesus is going to be the fulfillment of all leadership. He's going to be the king of all kings. He's going to be the leader of all of the leaders. He's going to be the good leader, the good shepherd, not like the ones that sinned or that led the Israelites and the people of God to sin, but the one who lays down his life for his people. That is the king of kings. And then the frankincense also points to the fact that Jesus is also the fulfillment of the high priest, that he is the one who offers this sacrifice to God, not just the old covenant that was sealed by the blood of an animal, but then the new covenant that is sealed by his blood, leading to the third fulfillment, which is the myrrh, which points to the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of the sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God. And by his blood, we are saved. Whoever the Son of Man sets free is free indeed. And I hope you get to live and enjoy in that freedom today. Thank you so much for listening this far. This has been so wholesome. And I hope you tune in once again tomorrow as we continue on the Gospel of John. 
thank you so much and i will see you guys tomorrow same time same place please don't forget to share leave a review and subscribe if you haven't have an amazing day